Don't you know We're talking about a revolution It sounds Don't you know We're talking about a revolution It sounds like a whisper While they're standing in the welfare line Welcome to another episode of Community Vos Radio Show, your uniquely eco and indigenous feminist radio show coming to you from Bellingham, Washington, the deep north of the Pacific Northwest. I'm Junga, your moderator today, and on the show we are talking about C2C's H2A campaign and the connection between labor and immigration. Um, I want to also mention that this year, 50 years ago, it was um, the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King in 1968. And we want to recognize the sacrifice he made for his life uh, in order to fight injustice and stand for the sanitation workers who are protesting unfair treatment. And our guest today, we are really lucky because we have a really special guest besides Rosalinda Guillen, who's here all the time. We have Anders Russell from Resources, one of our favorite environmentalist groups in town as well. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody. You know, everyone's sleeping still. <laughs> I think it's really important, and I'm really ex- uh, not excited, but um, honored that you mentioned Martin Luther King and April 4th being the anniversary of his assassination. Because I, I think everybody always recognizes Martin Luther King on his birthday. But I sometimes wonder if it's more important to recognize, um, you know, the our heroes for the sacrifices that they made, the very real sacrifice. And, and also the occasion of his assassination is, is very telling about this country still today, right? Um, that it was actually when he moved into economic justice and challenging capitalism in a big way, the biggest way that he knew how by supporting workers' right to organize um, was kind of like the last straw. And he was blatantly killed in daylight. So it really brings me home in a big circle to what's happening today. Um, Also, you know, Cesar Chavez uh, passed away on April 23rd mm. in uh, 1993. And he literally, on April 23rd or the night before, I guess, no, early morning of April 23rd, he died in his sleep. And I think many of us surmise that the reason he died in his sleep that day was because of um, a lawsuit he had just, that the union had just lost in Arizona where the veggie libel laws came from, where the union was being um, fined or found guilty in court, challenged in court for the boycotts that the United Farm Worker was waging in Arizona. Again, right, these challenges mm-hmm. to capitalism. Uh, but also Caesar's body had been weakened by multiple long fasts trying to stop the use of pesticides in, the, in food production and you know, as an example to farm workers to not use violent means to organize. So it's it's critical for me, and it's, I think it's touching to recognize Martin Luther King the day that he died, that he left this world and left us to fend for ourselves, right, to carry on. So that's what we're doing today. 
Thank you, Janga, for bringing that up. Sure. Um, if you're listening to us today, uh, you're listening to KMRE 103.3 FM in Bellingham. And we're going to go on a short break and continue the conversation. Talking about a revolution sounds Who are people going to rise up get their share? Who are people going to rise up and take what's there? Welcome back, folks. You're listening to Community Vos Radio Show. And today we have Anders Russell and Rosalinda Guillen with us in the studio. I'm Junga, your moderator today. And we're talking about CDC's H2A campaign and the connection between labor and immigration. Thanks, Junga. I mean, I think that uh, community to community from its very, the day it was founded and shortly thereafter, we've always taken a position that um, that we were opposed to this guest worker program. And the main reason is, is that the founders of C2C, including myself, were farm workers. And we're farm workers based in the United States. Uh, we're Mexican-Americans that worked in the fields that recognized that a lot of, uh, you know, generations of Mexican-Americans in the United States that are basically were stuck here after the Mexican-American War, um, many of us are from Texas, Arizona, and Southern California, recognize that uh, a lot of Mexican people in the United States actually came here through the Bracero program. And the Bracero program is the beginning of these labor importing programs uh, that the United States and the Mexican government signed a, a bi you know, unilateral agreement about bringing in Mexican farmers and peasants to work the fields in the United States during World War II when all of the young men from rural, small rural farms went to fight the Nazis in, in Europe and were left with no labor. And so it was a very convenient and mutually supportive and helpful program that ended up really bad <laughs> in over overall. But it began in the 1940s, uh, ended in the 19, late 1960s, and then it wasn't uh, agreeable, I guess. People, the, the agricultural industry, especially corporate interests, really liked the, the worker importation program. And so they very skillfully ended one program and evolved it into the H-2A program. So it was the Bracero program that evolved into the H-2A program. And it happened in various ways in different parts of the country, but eventually this this has become over the years the modern day what they call the guest worker program and many reasons it's why we call our forums we say this is no way to treat a guest if you're talking about guests and guest workers most definitely this is no way to treat a guest and um, so for us it's always been a a problem something that has to be addressed something that our communities have suffered for many years from it, there is trauma left with many of our families and especially farm worker families with the Bracero program and it keeps recycling itself and showing its ugly face again through the H-2A program. And it hit home for many of us really closely last summer in August when an H-2A guest 
died after exploitation at Sarbanan Farms mm -hmm. in Whatcom County. I'm wearing Ernesto Silva's oh, right. shirt yes. today, yep. too. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 for us, it was like visceral, this what happened and what we saw and we, what we recognized in pre very present in front of us, Mexican workers, many of them skilled expert farmers from Mexico that are here working the land and they're suffering their malnutrition, their um, extreme dehydration, their heartbreak and their heartache over their colleague that died. It really brought home for many mm -hmm. of us that this just has not stopped. And so community to community, it, it, at the heart of our organization and at the core of everything that we do is about food sovereignty it's about looking at food systems. It's about recognizing that we as farm workers are part of a larger system that everybody benefits from. Consumers, you, uh, landowners, farmers, everybody's benefiting from our labor within this big system. And uh, what happened at Sarvanan Farms exemplifies the, the worst of what we know as a, as a community. So yes, uh, we, are taking the next steps in educating the community about this H-2A program. Don't want to call it a guest worker program anymore. We do sometimes just so people understand what it is that we're talking about, but H-2A is literally the number given to it in the labor code in the Department of Labor, right? It's, mm -hmm. a, it's like a, a rule or a regulation on it. And, um, and we, we're gonna take it on. Mm -hmm. I think that these political moments and what's happening with corporations all over, and especially in the food system, we need to really call this out and oppose this method of providing labor. I know that I've heard you say that it's legalized slavery and um, that workers, although the program is called guest worker program, the workers are not treated like guests at all. And we mentioned earlier that um, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated because he was fighting for um, sanitation workers in Tennessee. Um, so it seems like this struggle for worker rights and safe, humane working conditions still continue. It, it never, it just never seems to end. And that's why I said that, you know, the day Martin Luther King was shot, it was left to us to continue that struggle. Right. and to re remind everybody why, why, wh what he was doing there. And that the sanitation workers were the most vulnerable workers that were trying to improve their, you know, economic well-being and their, and their future. Um, and, and their champion was shot that day. Um, I don't know the details of what happened with that union after that, but what strict, you know, strikes us more closely is the fact that when we speak out in opposition to these types of legalized exploitation, legalized slavery, the pushback against us is really harsh. And mm. that is what today we have. We're, we're on the radio asking our friends and everybody that knows community to community to try to understand why our position on this particular federal labor program is so strong and why we're asking you all to support and to, to learn what is this 
thing that's happening in Whatcom County. How is it possible that a worker could die from exploitation on a farm in Sumas near Everson, literally die from the exploitation in the farm will be opening soon, will be harvesting. In fact, they've been pruning all winter. They will be harvesting berries again this year like nothing ever happened. Where mm-hmm. is the accountability? Where is the, right. uh, what are we going to do as a community to hold this company accountable? Because the state agencies aren't holding them accountable. The federal government aren't holding them accountable. Um, law enforcement isn't holding I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't a killing that you can, send somebody to jail for, you can very skillfully and legally, with regulations, actually dehydrate a worker to death. Mm-hmm. And you can op- you're can open for business without with only a slap, slap in the hand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we want people to understand. This is where we're coming from and why we're being so strong about this. And also that corporate agriculture is pushing back on us in a very harsh way. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a, there's an organization form to fight against us. There's a website form to fight against us. There's a Facebook form uh, to fight against us. There is staff hired to fight against us, to call us liars on this. And I think that that's why we're, we're going to continue speaking about this on the radio so that people can go back and listen to it over and over again and try to understand what is happening, that this is a very, and I'm just going to say it, this is a Trumpian campaign against truth and goodwill and community that wants to have a clean environment, that wants to have safe environment, that wants to have good relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I would just you know, like to put it out there that th- th- this is a very bad, uh, very bad actions that are being directed towards community to community out of malice Mm -hmm. without any thought to the well-being of the entire community. And have you seen a a local, uh, it may be nationally uh, connected, but a local um, corporate agricultural um, group that's pushing back and attacking C2C and well, uh, the group it's I mean it's it's uh, it's layers upon layers which is why um, I'm glad that Anders here because it's layers upon layers of um, uh, of um, truth killing I guess you could <laughs> say of truth killing efforts so yes I mean, the, the organization that's directly engaging with us in an offensive manner is called Farmworker Justice Now. Again, doublespeak, guest worker program, which is not at all guests. Workers are not guests. They're sl- quasi-slaves. And then Farmworker Justice Now, mm. which is not about farmworker justice. And it certainly isn't farmworker justice now. It's totally the opposite of that what I that see. is about so mm-hmm. ander ha, what have you seen have you seen any attacks from groups like farm worker just uh farm worker justice now or similar groups mm-hmm. in the work that you're doing at resources absolutely so farmworkerjusticenow.org is um was created by a group called save family farms which is uh, a group out of Skagit, which is connected with a group called Wacom Family Farmers, 
which is connected with a group called Skagit Family Farmers, which is connected with a group called Yakima Family Farmers. And it really all is just one um, group of folks, largely, uh, largely from, or at least the beginnings, say, family farms from the dairy industry um, in Skagit County being uh, called out for uh, agricultural pollution, so manure pollution of ground and surface water um, of the Skagit River. Mm-hmm. And and we saw this kind of rise of this um, largely public relations organization is really what it is. Um, they employed a, a fellow by the name of Gerald Barron who has done public relations for uh, oil and gas companies uh, in communities like Bellingham, where we oh, had the wow. um, the pipeline explosion. I should know the year, but I don't remember it. Um, but he mm-hmm. did some PR uh, around that. So this is okay. definitely s- crisis management is what Gerald Barron does. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've seen is um, this kind of, you know, in some ways, a creation of a crisis in order to rally kind of this more... Um, corporate farming, you know, structure to the threats. So really it's, it's anything that we see anytime lately that you see any sort of challenge to the status quo of our food system here in Whatcom County, these folks pop up with another website. So, I mean, the question is, and I know some of the attacks that they've uh, been directing at C2C are, you know, some of their language around that is, oh, you know, C to C doesn't understand they're be they're being exploited and you know the H two A program is is the solution and you know you should listen to us because we're the farmers and the question is you know who who are we protecting it it makes me think of the high school students in Florida who are now organizing around gun laws is you know mm-hmm. who are we choosing to protect in our food system. Uh, you know, who are we choosing? To, are we choosing to protect our guns over our children? Are we choosing to protect um, these corporations over like people, actual mm-hmm. people, whether they're um, farm workers or uh, or tribal interests? You know, we have here in Whatcom County, we have a, a a situation where we're choosing one type of farming, one yeah, kind of impact uh, over another. So, oh, we have dairy farms that for the large part are trying to manage pollution and some are doing a good job, some are doing a not good job. But all of that is impacting um, farm workers. It's impacting uh, Lemmy Nation's ability to harvest shellfish. You know, so we're saying this certain form, form of agriculture, this certain kind of farm is more important than, you know, people who have been farming in this county for, you know, thousands of years, not Mm -hmm. just five generations, not just six generations, but thousands of years. Um, So it's really, you know, I think about it, we've got these groups that are really rising up because Mm -hmm. they're scared because the status quo is being challenged. And you said that some of these groups call themselves family farms, but they're not really family farms, right? They're corporations. Well, I mean... They are family farms. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's it's a real it's a it's a real good term um, of to use the term family farms because a lot of these farms are run by a family, but that doesn't mean that you know they're a small local business that only 
produces food locally. I mean, they are they contribute to a corporate agricultural structure. Mm, so I see. It's it's like they're both, um, but it's a it's great mm-hmm. PR. Mm-hmm. And do you um, are you the director of um, the water mm. um, I, resources? I am. Uh, I am the program manager for our clean water program. Clean water so program. clean water program. Okay manager at Resources for Sustainable Communities. Right. And that, and you talked about that just now, how um, that's connected with a lot of the farmers, especially the dairy farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you're getting pushback whenever you're talking about protecting our water um, and keeping it clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We, uh, uh, about a year and a half ago, we tried to appeal, well, we were participating in trying to strengthen a state Department of Ecology permit to regulate dairy farms. And that's really when we started to see a lot of this, um, a lot of these attacks aimed at us. Not, It's not new. Whenever you try to hold polluters accountable, you get attacked. Um, whether you're trying to stop a coal terminal or trying to protect clean water uh, from manure pollution, you get attacked. So it's not, it's not new and it's, you know, but what we've seen now is these small groups now attacking tribes, attacking farm worker organizations, and they're doing it on the east side, they're doing it on the west side, so there's definitely, you know, it's hard. Like, in some ways, maybe we've been successful. Like, maybe we are actually creating change, and this is the blowback that you see, which um, on my good days, that's how I feel. <laughs> I think actually, Rosalinda, you said that to me once. Like, oh, that means we're we're doing the right that's thing. Right. We're yeah. being attacked. We're going in the right direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we're gonna go on a short break, and uh, we'll be back in a few moments. Listening to Community Voice Radio Show. I'm Junga, and we have guests here today, Rosalinda Guillen and Ander Russell from Resources. We were just talking about um, C2C's H2A campaign and just the general, um, it seems like it's local and nationally, uh, national attacks on the work um, by these fake farm farming or even they they call themselves family farm um, PR companies um, that are going around um, kind of twisting the work and the issues that uh, C2C and resources and other farm worker groups and environmental groups are doing. And we're talking um, before the break about that this is going on nationally as well, right? The attacks, you see it on the East Coast as well as here on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it happened. I don't, I don't have all the history, but if you look at what happened in Wisconsin, uh, when they busted the unions in Wisconsin at the same time, a lot of these, these same um, attacks from largely, I think, the dairy industry in Wisconsin on 
um, mm. on environmental mm-hmm. regula- regulation and this whole idea that um, environmental regulation is going to put these family farmers out of business. And I don't necessarily completely disagree with that, but you have to look at the 99% of all of the other stuff that got us to this point. I mean, we have a broken food system. We have an exploitive food system. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a food system controlled by corporations. Uh, our, our farm bill, our trade agreements are all all of these things serve one purpose it's to make corporations money Mm -hmm. and so it may be that here in Whatcom County or in a county in Wisconsin or somewhere in um, you know the Chesapeake Bay near Virginia that a farm would go out of business because they have to make changes to their farm to improve water quality to protect workers to protect drinking water for surrounding communities that it may be true that it is so expensive to have clean water that some of these farms can't exist but they why they're on the edge why they've gotten to that point is definitely not environmental regulations because if you look at our environment if you look at the environment in Whatcom County we have salmon populations are not coming back shellfish beaches and and recreational and commercial shellfish beds are closed all the time we have you know, workers literally dying. <laughs> so, you know, it's not it's not protecting the environment that has pushed these farms to the limit because our environment is not protected. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think that that's part of the, uh, part of my concern is when we, as an organization, we're, we're led by farm workers and we focus on food sovereignty. We have always made it really clear that our, our goal and we see our, the best future for us as farm workers to be working and living within a family farming system. And there's where the rub is. What is a family farm, right? So mm-hmm. we, we participate in the U.S. Food Sovereignty Alliance and the National Domestic Fair Trade Association and the Food Chain Workers Alliance and many other large groups of farm workers, food system workers, but also family farmers. Family farmers from the East Coast and the central part of the United States that are fighting to restore their farming practices in the um, in Iowa and you know all of those places where corporate farming has literally destroyed hundreds of thousands of acres of family farming system. I talk to the grandchildren of the founding farmers there and the farmers that can no longer farm because these big corporations have just come in and literally destroyed the ability for family farms to continue operating Hmm. and to grow organic, which is what Mm -hmm. they want, because the land is poisoned, the water is poisoned. It's happened in California in the Central Valley. So there's plenty of facts about big agri-corporations who still call themselves family farmers, Mm -hmm. not acting like a family farm, uh, Driscoll's calls themselves a family farming operation. Gallo Wines call themselves a family farming operation. It goes on and on and on. You know, it's really misleading. It's very misleading, and there has been an amazing, good job done marketing on a national level. When people hear family farming, there's an image that comes into your head of the the family, a small place, it's clean. 
it's beautiful. Everybody, you know, they're good stewards, both of the animals and the land. When you hear organic, same thing. You know, there's like this switch that goes on in your head of this good feelings. And, and that's what's being used against us, right? Right now, mm-hmm. the attack against community to community and resources is you're trying to kill family farming. And that is not true. We are trying to save family farming because right. Sarbanan Farms is a corporate farm from California that bought out 1,500 acres of a family farming system that was... Did you I, say 15,000? 1,500. 1,500. 1,500 okay. acres wow, that's still a lot. of a family farming system and planted a mono-agricultural farm, put in a mono-agricultural farm, and then brought in a quasi-slave labor force into our small family farming system. Mm-hmm. And we object to that vociferously, especially mm-hmm. when one of those quasi-slave labor you know, workers dies. Where, as a community, we have a responsibility to call it out. But the, the problem is... When you have um, representatives in the state legislature like Vincent Bies and Doug Erickson who have never worked a day on a farm, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about family farming and protecting family farmers when they've never, ever worked a day on the farm and attacking farm workers for trying to protect the environment. And I think this is where organizations like Resources and other environmental organizations and farm worker organizations like ours intersect is that as farm workers, and our goal to work in a safe environment and to protect ourselves, we fight against the toxic conventional farming practices that are killing us at the same time that they're poisoning the water, they're harming animals on the farm, and we align ourselves to say, as farm workers, we stand with environmental organizations to protect the water, the clean water that still exists, right? Mm-hmm. And we have begun also to oppose the use of toxic chemicals. We always have. We want to see organic farming. So I think that there is a big uh, misinformation going out there attacking us as really the enemies like that. of yeah. family farmers, the enemies of uh, farm workers even, by daring to say that farm workers like these type of working conditions, mm-hmm. that farm workers really appreciate the opportunity. The, oppor- the farm workers we talked to that, are, that came in as H-2A workers say, we need the work. We mm-hmm. need to make money. And we know it's harsh. And we know it's not safe. And we know it's dangerous. And we know we're taking a risk. But never do they say, we love this work. They mm-hmm. are workers of the poorest people in Mexico that need an opportunity and they're being taken advantage and brought up here to work under even more dangerous working conditions. These folks in uh, family farming system, I mean, the uh, fam, uh, Farm Worker Justice Now, which, by the way, the, the project, it's a project of Save Family Farming or Save Family Farms. It's their project. Farm Worker Justice Now is a project of this bigger organization, and the project director is Dylan Honkoop who is a very skilled public relations communications guy who knows how to message things and who, by the way, I think is hounding us. I mean, he is like hounding us both on social media, at our events, and totally mischaracterizing what we're saying. And so 
All of you that are listening out there, listen to what I'm saying and then get ready to see my words twisted around in their website and on their Facebook page because that is what they do. We don't do that. We're taking the facts of what the worker, the H-2A program does, what the workers tell us, what we saw, what we saw at Sarbanan last year, what we videotaped and recorded of the conditions the workers were in last year, the truth. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can you then take that and say that that didn't happen or isn't true and we're trying to hurt farm workers, mm-hmm. you know? It's really confusing it's for malicious. people yeah. to understand, the. I mean, the broader community to understand um, these statements because these... PR campaigns and companies are using words like justice and family farms in their uh, names. And some of the false statements um, that they've been saying is that the state reports that farm workers make $18 an hour on average. Is that true? <laughs> well, no. Well, you know, I, the magic word there is average, right? Because, you know, you could go to a farm with 300 workers and the supervisor, they'll, they include supervisor wages and all that, right? The supervisor could be making, you know, $18 that would really an throw hour that for off, yes. part of the year and everybody else's minimum wage or below minimum wage, but it can average out to $18 an hour. So that's the magic word is, is average. I would like to see, you know, reporting that in a breakdown that does not include supervisors mm-hmm. because supervisors are, you know, they're not out in the field working. They're actually the ex- part of the exploitation that's going on in the fields. So the guest worker program does give the opportunity for what they call an adverse, adverse wage rate, which is one of the very few benefits that still is left in this H-2A program. What kind of benefit is that? The it's the ability for uh, the federal Department of Labor has said that if you bring in guest workers, you have to pay. There's a complicated calculation the employer has to go through. The wage has to be higher than the minimum wage that's mm-hmm. paid to in, in the state, which is a big complaint of farm worker justice now, that this hurts. I mean, this is a big sacrifice the farmers are making because of the minimum wage in Washington state is so high. It's like It's like a complaint that the minimum wage in Washington state is so high, it's hurting the farmers that bring in, or the farmers that bring in H-2A workers are, is a sacrifice for them because they have to pay higher wages. And so if a farm like Sarbanan brings in guest workers or H-2A workers, you know, they're gonna have to pay something over $14 an hour. And if they hire other workers locally that are not H-2A workers, they have to pay those workers the same amount of uh, wages. You can't mm-hmm. pay a local domestic worker minimum wage and then next to him is an H-2A worker earning $14 an hour. Everybody has to earn the $14 an hour. That's one of the few fair things in the H-2A program regulations now, which the agricultural industry is busily trying to undo in the Congress right now, trying to remove that component and several others that give just a little bit of fairness, you know, to the H-2A program. Now, in Washington State, you know, that there's, this is why this is so complex and why people should come to our forums. We have been having a series of forums that try to explain this because it's not as easy as save family farm 
spokespeople say, it's not as simple as what Farmworker Justice Now is saying. Mm -hmm. This is a, a complex, deliberately complex labor program that le you can't legally mandate and regulate slavery. You can't legally mandate and regulate exploitation if you don't make it complex. This is complex because it is legalized exploitation that allowed a farm worker to die of extreme dehydration. And then you have the Washington State Department of Labor and Industries conduct an investigation over six months and then found the company not negligible. Mm -hmm. That can only happen with legally mandated exploitation. Mm -hmm. Because common sense and the reality shows very clearly that worker died of exploitation. At the same time that they found the company negligible for, not negligible for the death of Ernesto Silva, they also fined the company $150,000 for not allowing rest breaks, lunch breaks, and working the workers over 11 hours a day with no breaks at all for lunch or rest or anything. <laughs> during the three weeks that we were all at high alert because of the fires, the smoke from the fires in Canada. Right, and everything was like really smoky. The air was really hard for a lot of uh, And high folks temperatures, and, yeah. you know? And so it's like, okay, so on the one hand, you find the company for not giving rest breaks and working these workers to exhaustion with very, oh, oh by the way, not enough water in the fields. That's also part of the problem, right, that mm -hmm. they found, and yet the company is not negligible for the death mm -hmm. of Honesta Silva. That, and I, and I, Joel Sachs, I'm going to name him, he's the director of the Department of Labor and Industry, that agency, however their regulations are written, are written wrong, and it is deliberate, legal, regulated exploitation of H-2A workers, and I am mm -hmm. saying that that is what we're seeing because you cannot say that this farm was not negligible for the death of Honesto Silva under mm -hmm. those conditions. And we, we see that truth that you're talking about where complex processes and laws and procedures inherently uh, hurt the vulnerable communities and workers and communities of color more than anybody else. And it is intentional. So that's why we always ask um, that we look at these policies that on their face look like they sound superficially good. But like you said, it's very complex and you have to dig deeper to find out what the real impact is. And the more complex these laws are or these policies and practices, the, the, it's biased against vulnerable populations. And we see that over and over again, not just in agriculture, but in other policies and laws right. in this country. And, um, but the funny thing is, we, I mean, we've seen that with the sanctuary, when we were trying to go through the process to have the city uh, approve the sanctuary ordinance, mm -hmm. which was also to protect our immigrant community, including the migrant workers, that they threw out their processes and how we need to follow them. And even when you follow them, they change, they have other processes where um, we're not included. Change the rules in midstream yes. when it looks like justice might be. It's the same, you know, yeah. like, let's talk about resources and the water issue, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. once the tribes get involved, 
once indigenous people get involved in trying to protect their water for their sustenance, all of a sudden things change midstream, yeah. right? Yeah. And you as an organization for supporting that, then we, you know, you get attacked the same mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, again, and, and you see the same complexity, right? In this group of organizations that are attacking C2C and resources, you know, every, every, you know, they just keep doing a little offshoot. It's almost like they're mirroring, mirroring the complexity of our policies and regulations. It's like mm. you can't figure out who you're talking to or who they're representing. Whatcom Family Farmers and Whatcom Family Farmers website, I think their tagline is a unified voice for Whatcom Family Farms, as if they speak for every single farm in Whatcom County. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and what we know and what we know from polling and what these, these PR groups who are representing farmers know from polling is that you put farmers out in front uh, and people love them. People love farmers. People trust farmers. People listen to farmers. People listen to farmers about water issues. People listen to farmers about labor issues. These groups know what they're doing. It's really smart. You, you start putting, you start attacking tribes. We know that that doesn't that doesn't play well PR-wise here in Whatcom County. So, but we know that the farmer versus the environment battle, the environmentalists lose that battle. That's a PR battle that we lose over and over again. Partly it's because environmental groups are largely white, very privileged, and you know have traditionally for a long time felt like they could operate in a bubble. Um, but we also know that that farmer versus the environment battle, the farmer's world will always win in the court of public opinion. So, you know, that's where mm -hmm. family farm, that's why saying family farmers and, and, you know, putting the farmers out there. And that's why you see a lot of times these groups are, are, seem to be sitting down and working with tribes at the same time they're attacking environmentalists and, and farm worker groups. Um, but really not a lot of progress has been made in terms of at least our water supply and cleaning up our water quality and protecting our drinking water in the last it's several a stall years. Tactic. Yeah, it's a stall status tactic. quo. I mean, status yeah, quo works. Yeah. So let's create complex laws. Let's fight back against regulation. And, that, and you know, it's it. You said it. It's it's it is a, a bit kind of Trumpian. Yeah. We have these empowered group now that you know. It's it's wants a, to, it's total yeah. PR. And I would like to just say and ask if anybody's listening or if any farmers listening. Is it true? Is it true? Do you believe that farm worker justice now, the what they're saying is true? Do you are you a unified voice? Is it really, is you know that group representing all of you? Because it's a very chilling thought for us as farm workers and also consumers and you know people of color that are trying to create a better world to think that in an agricultural economy in a county that's the number one raspberry producing county in the nation, that the family farmers, if you are family farmers, that you are truly united against an organization that's helping to protect the environment so you can actually grow your product, but then also the labor force that has kept you in business and enriched this economy for many years. Is it true? Do you really think that low of us that that we can just die in the fields and have a outside corporation come into your fa family farming system, kill one of us, and nobody says a word? 
it's very chilling for us to think that we have that kind of an offensive behavior towards us. Um, you know, when you think of Martin Luther King and his death, is, is you know, is, is that what that means? I, I connected literally that, is it worth us dying to not hear the truth of what's really happening in our in our county today? And I think that's an important thing that we can all reflect on. Um, in the community reflect on when we're hearing attacks against community to community and all these false statements by, by these so-called family farm groups that are really not family farms. We're going to go on a short break, um, and uh, you can join us back in a few moments after the song. Thank you. But you can see yourself a winner beyond the money and the greed beyond the Welcome back, folks. You're listening to Community Voice Radio Show. I'm Junga, and I'm joined here today with Rosalinda Guillen and Andrew Russell from Resources. And we're going to continue our conversation about the connection between labor and immigration and the recent attacks we've been seeing here locally against resources and community community by um, these fake family farm groups and um really PR corporations. And you were mentioning some an experience um, that caught your attention that happened in Skagit County. Mm. Well, I was just, as Rosalinda was talking, I was thinking um, not too long ago there was a farm in Whatcom County, and very recently there was a farm in Skagit County that had um, uh, a lot of uh, animal neglect issues happen, a lot of co- cows dying and oh, malnourished no. and... Very sad, and mm-hmm. rightly so, you know, f- these family farming organizations were very quick to, to distance themselves from those farms and to say, you know, this is not the way we all do business. These are bad actors, and, um, you know, but it, it's interesting to contrast that with, for, at first, um, the silence uh, when Ernesto Silva died, and mm-hmm. then... And now these attacks on C to C for standing up for him. So, you know, what again? What are we protecting? Like, what is the end game? Like, what is the end game for these organizations? What what do what is their vision for our food system? Because I know that my vision for the food system is fairness and equity at all levels, from workers to you know to our healthcare system and you know the food that we actually eat and produce. I, I'm not sure what the end game for a PR group like Wacom Family Farms or Save Family Farms or Farm Worker Justice Now, I, I don't know what it is that they want to see. The only thing I can think is they want to see status quo. And if that's okay, if that's what you know people in Bellingham and people in Wacom County and people all over the country want, um, you know, then... Say it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think it is. I think we want a mm-hmm. fair, equitable food system. And I think it, it, you know, fighting against that is hard. And because the regulations and the laws that protect those corporations and that food system the way it is are very complex. So the, the Whatcom Family Farm Group 
shortly after, well, not shortly after, actually, quite a while after Ernesto Silva died, did put out a public statement saying that it was unfair to blame the company because there hadn't been any proof <laughs> yet. And so they Incredible. had talked to the company and they didn't, you know, they, th they thought everybody should wait before they made a judgment. Basically saying, you can't believe what the workers are saying. You can't believe what C2C is saying because a company says they didn't do it and until they're proven wrong. And guess what? Labor and industry says they didn't, you know, they weren't negligent, which because the farmers knew the way the system is, is geared, you know, rigged and the way the regulations are written, they're not going to be found negligent for killing a farm worker. But yet, you know, they are outraged at what happens to, to cows and chickens and, and, you know, which we care about that also. But that moral compass is a little bit skewed. And yes, you know, mm -hmm. consumers and community in Whatcom County can decide what kind of food system they want. It appears to me that what the local family farmers are saying is you are judging one of your own that had whatever issues they had in the neglect of their animals, right? But yet you're not willing to judge an outside corporation coming all the way from Delano, California to destabilize the local agricultural economy and environment. You're not able to muster up enough courage to say these guys are not part of our system, right? After a farm worker dies. I agree that people should make a decision, but they should be honest and transparent about it. We want a corporate farming system in Whatcom County. Mm -hmm. And we want it run by quasi-slaves that come in from all over the world. And we don't care that the local farm workers from Mexico that have been here for generations, that own their own homes, are going to schools with our kids, we don't care what happens to them. Say it, right? Right. But if you yeah. think that you're going to continue to shift this system at the expense of my people and I'm going to sit quietly and watch them die because you seem to have... Uh, 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 you seem to feel offended and saying the truth about how you really feel about us, it's not going to happen as long as I have a breath left in my body. So that's what I do. It's what we do is what C2C does. So, you know, all I can say is let's talk what the facts are, what the truth is, and we'll see what happens because truth eventually does reveal itself. And, you know, Dylan Honkoop and... Juan Baldovinos and everybody else is out there. You need to explain yourselves to everybody like we are or keep hiding back and throwing stones at us like you're doing. Um, we'll see what happens, but we're not going to stand by and let farm workers be treated this way and watch them die without anybody not saying anything. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other um, false statements that you have been hearing from some of these PR groups, Rosalinda? Well, they, you know, they make statements that are, first of all, these guest worker jobs are extremely valuable for these workers, right? Compared to the approximate $20 per hour earned in Washington state fields to the Mexican minimum wage of $11 per day. I mean, they go through all of these things. And uh, Farm Worker Justice Now has been buying full-page ads in the Western Front, which cost like close to $800 for each ad. Really? So they have That's money, expensive. you know, they're getting funding to do these attacks against against us. Um, and what didn't they make a statement that shortages hurt workers? Yes. As well? Yeah. That shortages hurt workers. Uh, the shortage of workers and efforts to prevent farms from using the guest worker program is hurting workers, not helping them. Well, that's a great statement to make. But uh, I don't know how that would hurt workers. 
because that's why I'm asking you. I yeah, really I mean, it's statement. just impossible. <laughs> that that is a the most ridiculous statement, because you know, shortage of jobs or shortage of workers um, raises wages, and we've always said that if you are a farm or an employer and you need farm workers. You should be competing for labor like every other employer does by raising your wages. And if there isn't enough farm workers, then raise your wages and you're never going to have a labor shortage. I guarantee you, all the farmers that are treating their workers with dignity and respect and are paying a fair wage never have a labor shortage. You don't hear them complaining ever of a labor shortage. It's the employers that are exploitative, that won't pay up, or that hold back wages because that's a good famous trick, right? You work for a farm and then you don't get your paycheck for two, three weeks, sometimes six weeks for the work that you did. And, you know, eventually when the farm worker complains to labor and industries or takes action, then they get paid immediately. I mean, what other employer do you know that can hold back wages as long as they want and, uh, <laughs> and you know, and, and get away with it? So right. this is that that is just like a nonsensical statement that they make um it doesn't even um adhere no. to the uh capitalist market system <laughs> like if right. you have a shortage yes wages go up and it's better for workers not worse and so like just understanding the uh, complexity of the issues and the h2a program i think would really benefit people in understanding what's going on and I think they can come to the right conclusions themselves. So the other um, statement they make is, um, you know, that not bringing in H-2A workers puts our farmers at a disadvantage against much lower costs of labor in other countries, which, you know, always goes, this is every corporate, this is said about almost every producer, right? It's so, so why do we want to lower our wages to the lowest common denominator in the United States? We're supposed to be like, the best country in the world, right? That's one thing. But the other one is, it says, uh, not bringing in, uh, farmers are mechanizing as quickly as they can, reducing valuable work opportunities. And this hurts consumers as it eliminates locally grown food and increases foodborne illness. So let's just talk about that. Eliminates locally grown food. One of the biggest complaints that I hear all the time, let's just take the raspberries. They get shipped out. They're, it's difficult to get locally grown you know, food here because all of this, these big crops get shipped out. So, I mean, people need to really take action against this. this is a complex issue. This is what we're, we're asking you to take action because this is a great wrong that has been began in the 1940s. And how can people get involved? They can, first of all, what we're doing right now, first they can call us, you know, go to our website and ask to get involved um, or email at campaignc2c at foodjustice.org. That's campaignc2c at foodjustice.org. Or call us at our, at our, at our office number, 360-738-0893 if you want to get involved in the campaign. But in the meantime, we're asking Governor Inslee to convene a task force and fully investigate the negative impacts of the H-2A program to farm worker families in Washington State. You can call him at 360-902-4111. And then the other action we're asking you to take is to call 
The Department of Labor and Industries called the director, Joel Sachs, at 360-902-5584 and asked him to reopen the investigation into Honesto Silva's death. We don't agree with the decision. We think it's wrong. They need to do right by us and reopen the investigation. So again, the governor should convene a task force and Joel Sachs and Labor and Industries needs to reopen the investigation at Sarvanan Farms. And there are a few other um, announcements too. I think we have um, a, another panel coming up on labor and immigration. That's a continuation of the uh, series that you've started, Rosalinda. Yes. Uh, yes. No Way to Treat a Guest. And that's going to be um, co-hosted by RJC and C2C on the 3rd. April 3rd. April 3rd. It's a Tuesday. Tuesday, uh, 6 to 8. And it's going to be at Bellingham Unitarian Fellowship Church upstairs in the sanctuary. That's right. Um, and then there are some Can other... Can I just say something about sure. that? For all of you folks that know David Bacon, he's actually going to be one of the panelists. So he's coming from in from Oakland to present. He has been writing about and documenting about the guest worker H-2A program for over 30 years. And also Jeff Johnson, the president of the Washington State Labor Council, will be a panelist and will be moderated by Michelle Stelovich, the president of the local Labor Council. And Ramon Torres from Familias Unidas will also be a panel. So it's on the panel. It's going to be really informative and we're going to open this program up um, to really talk about how this affects local economies. And, and we're going to really bring into it the whole racial analysis of this whole H-2A program and farm worker justice now and why we're being attacked the way we're being attacked. Sounds really great. We have another event as well. It's the Rapid Response Workshop, which will feature basic Know Your Rights and documentation on April 5th at First Congregational Church from 6 to 9 p.m. And that's a way to get involved in protecting com immigrant communities of color and um, just, you know, getting out there and documenting and um, supporting people in our community that are being targeted by ICE and Border Patrol. And if you have any questions, you can contact welcomerapidresponse at gmail.com. And, Andrew, do you have any events or announcements for resources? You know, yeah, but uh, I just want everybody to do everything that Rosalinda just said. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for well, sure. Please do that. For our resources in C2C, we're also working together really hard to yeah. get gather signatures for the climate equitable climate justice initiative that's going to be on the ballot. So that's important. I know when that's is it going to be on the ballot? Uh, this fall. This, this fall. This, yeah. Yeah, okay. this, this November. November. So we've got until, what, June something to gather over 300,000 yeah. signatures. Yeah. So we're going to be, you know, busy, which again, yeah. right, this is what we're about. Our organizations are about protecting the environment, clean water for everybody, healthy food for consumers, protecting a family farming system. It's like we don't need all of these rocks and mud being slinged at us, yeah. honestly. Right. So watch out yeah. for that, too. Yeah, Those definitely sign the, the petition from the Alliance for Jobs mm -hmm. and Clean Energy. And I, I'm sure it will be linked probably on C2C's website. Yep. It'll yep. be on our website re-sources.org or you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we'll be posting on that too. So any yeah. events, anything we have will be on our social media and be on our website. So, yeah. Great. 
Well, thank you for listening again to Community Voice Radio Show, where you hear news that you won't hear most anywhere else. Yeah.